Hello, this is Benjamin. Thank you for downloading and listening to this sermon. I am doing this introduction because toward the beginning of the message, my microphone cut out, uh, stopped working, and I had to abandon the lapel mic for the mic that is typically on the pulpit. And so I stood behind the pulpit for the remainder of the sermon. Uh, I have edited out the dead air from the audio for your listening enjoyment so you're not confused or, um, or bored. So without further ado, here is the message. I hope it blesses your day. The past couple of weeks, we have been looking at what it is that we do here. Why, when we meet on Sunday, do we do the things that we do on Sunday? And we've looked at song and communion and celebration. And we looked at what church is. And if you can read the tiny print there, um, it's tiny and faded for a reason. Because I locked the doors. Um, we're talking about offering. Uh, one of, one of the, the difficult things about talking about offering is that it so much gets caught up in uh, what we do where we, we pass these plates. Now in a second, remember this, uh, if you don't come here on a regular basis, we're going to pass the plates again. Uh, that's for our, every third Sunday we do missions and we take up a missions collection it's, it just funds our missions. This is not something... You aren't obligated to the first passing around, and you're, not, you're definitely not obligated to this. If you want to give, you can. This isn't something that we say we do every Sunday. Well, the, it wasn't good enough the first time. Let's run it again, you know. Uh, so this is... This is going to mess me up. I have lipstick in my pocket. Um, all right, so... But we do pass, we do pass plates. And for those of you maybe on the front row that don't know what that's for, we put checks and money and stuff, some of our own money, into that. And we, we run that back and, and we take up a collection. And it helps fund what we do here. But with this is, is some peculiarities. I remember uh, a good friend of mine, now past, once told me a story where um, he, he, he was sitting with his son and during church, and they were passing the, the collection plates, and his son had a dollar bill, and the plate came through, and he just kind of held on to it, and he said, no, you've got to put it in there. He said, no. And he said, we're giving our money to Jesus. And he said, that's fine, but that man ain't Jesus. And so one of the things that you worry about whenever you give money to a church is, is it going to be used properly? Is it, is, are, yes, I want to give it to God, but is what this church doing what God has called us to do? I feel like that's a legitimate question to ask. And any church you go to, it should be something that you ask. Is the money I'm giving to this congregation being used in a way that God would have it to be used? You know, expensive steeples. So, that's just a tongue-in-cheek. We, we are not one to buy expensive steeples. Um, there, is a, uh, there is a familiarity in all churches, from all backgrounds, with offering, with giving something. Uh, I want to talk about an offering that happened a long time ago. And then I want to talk about an offering that happens now. And then talk about the offering that happened a long time ago. We're going to have to start in 1 Corinthians. Um, 
16. Now this is not on. Now it is. 1 Corinthians 16, it says, Now, about the collection. Now Paul's writing to a group of people in, uh, in Corinth, a group of people that don't like him all that much, but he's going to come see them. I'm at a pulpit. I always feel like a child behind a pulpit. I feel like I should be standing. I'm wearing my father's tie and I should be standing on a stool. All right, so he says, now about the collection for the Lord's people. When he says the Lord's people, he means that there's a church in Israel, in Jerusalem actually, the Jerusalem church is suffering. They're in poverty. Because if you lived in Corinth and you were part of a church there, you paid taxes. But if you lived in Jerusalem and you were a part of a church there, you, pla- you paid two different taxes. Temple tax, that if you're a Jew, you still felt obligated to pay. And you paid the Roman tax. So there was some poverty in the Jerusalem church. And so what Paul was going to do is take up a collection from all of the other churches and take it to the Jerusalem church and, and help them get out of their struggling situation. And so he says, now about the collection for the Lord's people. This is not about the church. This is about a specific church, a church in Jerusalem. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will, be, will have to be made. Then, when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. So he says, when you get together, we're raising money for a particular church. And we're going to raise money for this particular church. And when, you, when I come, I'm going to collect the money and we're going to get a group of men and they're going to take the money. And if I want to go with them, I will because I'm Paul and I do whatever I want. That's added. That's in the Greek. You really don't see it in the English. But there, there's a, a sense where he says, I, I am taking a sum of money to help a certain group of people. Now, it seems as though between the first letter, which is this is the end of the first letter to the Corinthians, and the second letter to the Corinthians, they have showed a bit of hesitancy to co- take up a collection at all. That the Galatian church did it, the people in, in, um, in northern Greece did it, Macedonia, they called it, Macedonians did it. And then in southern Greek, in Achaia, they, they were a little hesitant. And so Paul uses some very fancy rhetoric that we find in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians 8, he is simply saying, you guys need to gather all this up um, and, and you guys are the, the sense is you guys are loaded and no one else is and you're the only ones fighting me on this that's the sense you get from 2 Corinthians 8 and then in 2 Corinthians 9 he explains why he wants them to do it there is no need for me to write you about this service to the Lord's people for I know your eagerness to help and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians there is a sense of remember how fantastic you wanted to give 
I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give. Achaia is pretty much Corinth and Athens. You were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. Can you get catch the tone here? It's like, we've been bragging about this, and I'm sending someone to you so that our bragging will not seem hollow. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. Paul, are you manipulating me here? This is what we call in theology a guilt trip. It, 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 and it works. Paul is saying, you guys are some of the richest people I deal with. And yet, I'm hearing word, and he doesn't come out and say it, but his tone seems to imply, I'm hearing words that y'all aren't ready, and I've been bragging about you. Been bragging about how well you're going to be ready. And if we show up and you're not ready, it's going to be tough. Yeah, Paul talked like that. So, I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you have promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. If you want to hold tight to the money that God has blessed you with and not let it go, there is nothing I can do to you to make you. But that is a life and a heart that will eat you alive. That is something you are serving that doesn't love you back. Your money doesn't love you. And so you shouldn't serve it. It should serve you. You shouldn't let it rule you. You should rule it. And so we have a... What we have here is Paul urging the Corinthian church, there are people in need and what you have to offer we could use. There are people in need and what you have to offer we can use. He said, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What does it mean to be a cheerful giver? It means that you realize the things that you have are not just the things that you have, and you understand that God gave them to you. And that you will then take what you have been given and then give it to someone else. This is what happens all throughout Scripture. And Jesus teaches us to do this with 
everything. With everything he has blessed us with, he has asked us to pass it on. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. I I hope you have caught here that I'm not just talking about money. You go, you, this church is one of the most generous churches I've ever been a part of. We, we, we help the poor. We, and there, there have been times, a couple months ago, I, put on, I, I ran into a guy who needed, um, who needed a hot water heater. And I just put it on, on Facebook and said, we need 500 and some, we need, or this much for, uh, no, 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 it wasn't a hot water heater, it was an electric bill. You know how easily it is to get those two things confused. Um, so it was an electric bill, high electric bill, like two months late electric bill. So I just put it online and said, I've got a guy who has this much of an electric bill. It took me seven hours to raise $560 just from our Facebook group. Just... One right after the other. People, as soon as they saw it, said, count me in. My phone blew up. I had to tell people we have too much. We raised more than enough. Y'all are a generous congregation. What we're talking about here is not just our money. God has blessed us with money, and so we shall give out our money. And it's not just about giving your money to the church, although we appreciate it. And the more you can commit yourself to helping us financially, the better off this church will run and function and we will, we will be able to serve more. What we are talking about here is an attitude of offering. An attitude of giving what God has given to us. Of giving ourselves away. An attitude of offering is one that is willing to sacrifice itself, become vulnerable. God has loved me, so too I shall love others. What do you mean by others? Everybody! People who have the same sin as you, different sin? Yes, both groups. People who are poorer than you, richer than you? Yes, everybody. I'm going to love everybody. People different skin color, different nationality, different backgrounds, different histories. They, they wear their pants differently than you do. Yes, I'm going to love every single creation of God. We give our love away, not because we've somehow stored it and we've manufactured it in our hearts, but because God gave it to us first. We forgive everyone because God forgave us first. We have mercy on everyone because God shown it, show, showed it to us first. What we find in God, we should give to others. And it is not, it is, we are, sometimes we are caught hoarding the mercies of God. Keeping them to ourselves and creating a collection. Wallowing in the forgiveness of God and demanding the repentance of others. That'll eat you alive. That will turn your heart black. 
the attitude of offering, the spirit of offering, yes, it, it shows up in a collection plate, but it also shows up in your heart. It shows up in what you do every day, how you give every day. And Paul says to the people in Corinth, you have so much. And his hope was that he could bring it and take it to other people. And he tells them actually earlier in 1 Corinthians 8, he says, or 2 Corinthians 8, he says, it's not, it's not that they will become rich and you will become poor. That's not what we're, what we're concerned about. Here is equality. That they will not be less than you just because you have come into some land. What we're concerned about here is giving to others what God has given to us. That is our offering. That is what we can offer. And for us, it starts close. It starts close, it starts close to us. It starts in our homes. If you are married, the way you treat your spouse says more about you than anything else. I don't care what you claim, what you think you are, how you treat your spouse is who you are. Are you okay with that? See, the spirit of offering from finding Jesus' life in us and then taking it and giving it to others, that starts in our homes. It starts with our children. It starts, it starts in our church. What are we committed to? The spirit of offering if you, if you can develop it, and, 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 and it shows itself off when we pass the plates. And when we, when we say this family is struggling, let's pass an envelope and see how much money we can put in it. The spirit of offering shows itself off in this place. But when we are at home, are we continuing such a spirit? I think the difference between someone who gives begrudgingly and someone who gives cheerfully is the person who gives cheerfully is the person who is always offering themselves every day. And the person who gives begrudgingly, it is out of or the ordinary for them to give at all. We are called to be a people who offer to others what God has blessed us with. We are called to be a people who give to others what God has given to us. Look what Paul says in Romans. Therefore, verse, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since Romans... Actually, this therefore is really big. Um, it, 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 you can't just go back to the previous verse and say, well, what's he talking about? You have to read Romans 1 through 11 to understand the weight of this therefore. He's changing subjects and he's saying, since God has done all... All this wonderful things for us. He's made us his church in the name of Jesus. He's brought the Gentiles and the Jews together. We are unified under the name of Jesus. We are called under the name of Jesus. Romans 12 says, Therefore, since all of that, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your 
fur and proper worship. Well, I must have typed that one. I believe that should be spiritual act of worship. Well, thank you, autocorrect. Well, that's never happened before. Let's take that off the screen. All right, so. (laughs) Note to self, stop typing scriptures. So we have have been called to, to offer ourselves to God because of what he has done for us. Live holy and acceptable lives. Live pleasing lives. Our life is our spiritual offering. It's our act of worship. And so what we offer to others should be a mirror of what God has offered to us. And if you're not offering anything to others, and if, you're not, if you don't think God has given you anything, you're not paying attention. You, drive, you will drive past food later to get to food. We have plenty of food. We, have cold, we, can, we can wait until the water gets hot and we can wait until it gets cold and we can take the exact sort of shower we want. We are blessed people. We are blessed beyond our wildest imaginations. I cleaned out my garage this weekend. You know, the house I have for my cars. I'm a blessed human being. And sometimes I think when we hoard it and we think we we deserve it, it's just a mistake. We don't deserve it, but we have it, so we should give it. We don't deserve the love that we find in Jesus, but we have it and we should give it. We don't deserve the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy, the love. We don't deserve any of it, but we have it, so we should give it. This is what church is. It's a group of people who have received something from the Lord and are now passing it on to others. That's it. That's what a church is. And sometimes we get all caught up in church. Why, no one said hi to me. Oh, good. Yeah, everyone who says that talks like that. No one said, did you say hi to anyone? This isn't about what you get. It's what you give. Church is not a club. It's a team. We are not called to join and to play. We get, uh, the way we talk about it, I'm going to place membership there. Okay, you can play on our golf course. Join the team. Let's go. We are a group of people serving the world like God has served us. And if we're going to consistently do that, we need to be aware of what God has given to us and then be looking for practical ways to dish that out. We can't be caught up in our own little cocoons of sadness trying to figure out how everyone can serve me. If you are self, selfish and selfishly motivated to, to well, I want the church to revolve around me. You can come here. You can worship here. We will serve you communion. We will take your offering. But you're not doing any good for the team.
if the church should revolve around you? Are we being a group of people who are offering what we have to others? Because that's what Jesus did for us. He offered what he had and conquered death for us. And now we are supposed to offer it to others. And I've said this before. Um, this is an odd church. It really is. If you, if you have not grown up, we have a lot of people who come here who, who did not grow up in a church of Christ. If you did not grow up in a church of Christ, there are going to be some things here that are peculiar to you. But do not feel sad because the people who grew up in the church of Christ, there's some things here that are peculiar to them too. This is a peculiar place. We operate in some different ways. But I think what I think you'll find here is a motivation to either help us serve God. Or maybe this isn't for you. There are plenty of places where you can sit down and be comfortable and they will tell you how right you are and how perfect you are. This is not one of them. We need to be at work. We need to be giving what God has given to us. And we need to be doing better at that every week, every day. We need to be improving. Be willing to to step up. What are you offering? Now, for some of you, you're very busy. You're very busy. You don't have, we do Sunshine Club, you don't have time to help. And we understand that. For some of you, Wednesday nights, ride out. That's fine. We understand. We understand. But if Wednesday night's not not that busy for you, you're just watching reruns of Lost. Then we would love for you to offer your time here too, if you can make it. Just one hour earlier, we have Bible class for our kids. What, what are you offering them that they couldn't get anywhere else? Your kids can't drive. And unless you're teaching them Bible at home, this is a, this is, I think this is one of the, we have a third, fourth, and fifth grade program that I think if you let your kids go through that, they will know more about the Bible than you when it's all done. We have so much to offer. And you have so much to offer this team. And we need you. We're big enough where this church isn't going to feel like a, a great big family. There's just too many people. I, um, I, met, a, I met a guy the other day. Um, they said, oh, you know this other guy that works here. And I said, no, I don't never met him. And he said, oh, well, he, he's been to your church a couple times. And I thought, okay, well, unless he came up and hugged me, I don't know him. Because I don't know if you've watched after church. I'm pretty busy. 
If you want to talk to the preacher, come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you. But we're big enough where we're not all, we're not all going to talk to everybody every time, every Sunday. So it's hard for us to tell other people, well, we're just one big happy family. But we, we are as a team, and I think a good one at that. And if you have something to offer, and I think you do, we can use you. You can be a part of this team. Your, your talents will not go wasted here. But you just have to offer them. It's been my experience that most of the people who complain about not being used in church just aren't offering what they have to give. You may be the exception to that, but that's been my experience. We are a team. And I really believe that you have something to offer. And you say, Benjamin, I'm not rich. I can't give a lot. Okay. That's fine. We don't need a lot. We just need you. We really do. We really do need you. To serve the world that is hurting and broken. To serve a world that needs Jesus. To serve them in the name of Jesus. If you want to join us, or you want to join, maybe you've never experienced the blessing of knowing and experiencing all that God has to offer for you. We call that salvation. We call that redemption. We call that forgiveness. We call that unity. We call it church. If you've never experienced that, then you need to give your life to Jesus today. Come forward and we'll talk about how that works. But if you're not a part of a team anywhere, and you, or maybe you don't feel like you're being used somewhere else, Offer yourself to us, and we'll put you to work. Whatever you need this morning, whatever you want to commit yourself to, whatever, you want, whatever offering you want to receive, whatever offering you want to give, whatever you have to offer, we want to hear about it. Let's do so while we stand and sing.